Hey everyone, welcome to the Dorinda Wilson podcast. I'm Dorinda Wilson, wife to one, mom to eight, nana to six, and 25-year veteran homeschooling mom. I'm also the author of The Unhurried Homeschooler, a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling, Grace for a Mom's Heart, which is a 31-day devotional written specifically for homeschool moms, and my new upcoming book called The Four-Hour School Day. That's going to be released on June 29th. I'm super excited about it. Be listening uh, for updates on that. So if you're a new listener, I just want to welcome you. I'm so glad that you're here. Um, I love bringing encouragement and resources uh, to moms and homeschool moms. So I hope that today is a huge blessing to you. And for all my faithful listeners who just keep coming back, thank you for being here. You all encourage me so much with your messages and your letters of encouragement. Um, I tell people all the time, homeschool moms, rock. I would love to also encourage all of you to go to subscribe to my website where you'll be the first to receive all the newest information on my book, including bonuses and incentives. So go to DorendaWilson.com and be sure to subscribe there. I look forward to connecting with you there. So today I'm doing something a little different, changing things up, and I am super excited about it. You know, I think most of us have realized in recent times how little we actually know about the Constitution and specifically the role of government. Um, I've actually been a little embarrassed by my lack of knowledge, um, but I got over that really quickly and I decided that it was time to educate myself and as many other people who wanted to know as well. And I think there are a lot of you out there. So I got together with several other women, two teachers and some homeschooling moms, and we formed a concerned citizens group in our community that meets once a month. And the whole premise behind it is we want to affirm, inform, and equip citizens to be we the people in their communities and make a difference from the bottom up. You know, I, I, I just keep thinking, you know, we've been trying to change things from the top up for a long time and it's not really working. We need a grassroots movement and that's why we started this community in our own town. Now, last month we invited just a lovely young lady who holds a PhD in political science to come and invite, um, to, to come and speak and share um, about the role of government. And it was a lively and hugely beneficial meeting. So I, I invited her uh, to come here and share that same information with you on the podcast. So what we were thinking is it would be great if you could gather your kids because this is going to be something they need to hear as well. Um, it might be a great little project, homeschool project to do for today and, um, and, and the next podcast because we're going to split it into two podcasts. But gather your family together and listen in as we do, like I mentioned, two shorter episodes on the role of government. Um, we thought that would work best for the kids if we split it up into about approximately two 30-minute segments. And we're also including a PDF of questions that you can print up to help you and your kids review what you've learned. And so I am really excited to introduce to you Kristen McMasters, who is a millennial constitutionalist from Charleston, South Carolina. She is now residing in North Carolina. She holds a PhD in political science, but she is not your typical academic. She actually loves this country and loves liberty and will fight for it at all costs. So her goal for her liberty-loving blog, which we're going to share with you a little bit later, 
is education. She seeks to arm fellow lovers of liberty with knowledge, knowledge that is painfully lacking and desperately needed, knowledge first and foremost of the Constitution. The Constitution is our government's job description and we are the government's employers. How can we hold our government accountable to their job if we don't even know their job description? So Kristen, thank you for being here with us today. Yeah, thank you, Dorinda. Thanks for having me. I am excited even hearing you read that. I'm like, yeah, now I can't wait to help educate you guys on what that means. <laughs> it's, I, I heard part of your talk. I wasn't in town to hear the whole thing. And I was so bummed because the feedback I got was amazing. People were just engaged and excited because this is information we need to have. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. The schools really haven't taught us that. Um, if no. we were lucky, we might have a very minimal idea of what the Constitution says. But um, I am excited to go through uh, to go through this with you. For me, it's really essentially the first time, so I'm yeah. I can't wait to hear um, all that you have to share. I had heard about 18 minutes into it, and, I, and my daughter will attest. We were listening in the car, and I was like, "Yes, yes, yes." <laughs> That's awesome. So, um, I'm just going to open this up for you to just launch into um, uh, into your talk. Okay. Yeah. So I think one of the first questions I, I have on that list that I gave you for the, the handout for anyone who's interested in wanting to write all of these, <laughs> these topics out um, is why government? And the reason I asked that, and actually I wrote a book about this very question, why government, why do we need government in the first place, is because I think uh, so many American citizens approach government and we have a real critical eye, right? We're like, well, government should be doing this or government's doing this poorly or, you know, this, that or the, or the other. And we're, we're very opinionated about government, but most of us really don't even know what government's supposed to do to begin with. So how can we be critiquing government? when we ourselves don't even know the point of government, right? <laughs> so if we don't even know why government's supposed to exist, it's kind of hard to um, critique it or to say this, that, or the other about it. So the first thing I like to ask my students, and I can say for any homeschooling moms, if, if you want to really get your children to have a strong foundation, I think the best thing for them to first understand is that there's a reason for government, right? Um, and we have to know what that reason is, because some countries say that government exists to provide welfare, to, to provide education, to provide health, to provide security. You know, there's a variety of different things, but you, we can't just assume that government is meant for all of these things. We sort of need to understand the basic critical point of our government. So what was our government essentially started on? Why, why did we start the U.S. government, Right. And in order to know that, we really need to know sort of the foundational theories girding up the structure and the building of our specific U.S. government. Now, if I was teaching a class on, you know, the Russian government, we'd have a completely different storyline. But we're going with the U.S. government. And that's important. I think that's a really critical thing for um, people to understand because the way our government functions is based off of these very foundational truths, Right. And so I'll try to be, some of these are really big, broad concepts um, that maybe people are not really going to want to dig into as much as I could dig into them. So I'll give a very topical overview. Um, and coming from a biblical perspective, if we want to put that in there, some of this should make sense because it's also looking at human nature, right? Because the fundamental question when approaching why government is, what do we believe about human nature? Is human nature fundamentally bad or is it fundamentally good, Right. Because the answer to that question is going to affect everything we do moving forward. 
if we believe human nature is fundamentally good, do we need government? And the answer would obviously be no, you don't need government. If if everyone's great, if everyone's an angel, there's no point to government in the first place. So the answer is people are fundamentally bad, fundamentally flawed. And so because of that, um, now we've got this structure that we're going to build upon. So um, briefly touching on Thomas Hobbes, John Locke, and Montesquieu. Those are the three theorists I always say are really good to go over. So if any of the moms want to look at their writings, I would really highly suggest <laughs> taking a look. Montesquieu, I believe it's book three. If you look at, it's just a small like chapter. They're called books. But um, And then if you look at John Locke and look at sort of his second treatise, Don't Own Government, these are some really foundational building blocks. And in these, they talk about what we call a state of nature. And a state of nature is this idea that there's a world without government and without society. And in that state of nature, everyone has a right to any and everything, right? So, and this is really critical. This is a critical concept because essentially it's breaking the mold for the time period when these theorists lived, which was the late 1500s, early 1600s. Um, and this idea that everything was, it belonged to the king, right? It belonged to the government. Um, there was no such thing as personal autonomy. There was no such thing as a right in and of yourself, right? There was no such thing as a God-given right. Um, everything was handed to you by the king or taken from you by the king. He was the final source of power and the final source of, of review, right? So um, this was a really revolutionary concept to think that in a state of nature, you actually had a right to any and everything simply because you existed. And so... Uh, Hobbes and Locke and Montesquieu, they sort of present this idea, but they come to the conclusion that in this state of nature, it results in this state of war because mankind is sort of always going to be acting out of their desire for self-preservation, right? So I need food, you need food, so we're going to fight it out. And this, it's it's constantly chaos. There is There is no liberty in the state of perfect liberty. And I know that sounds like an oxymoron, but it's true. If you have complete and total liberty, you end up having absolutely no liberty because no one is safe. If I have just as much of a right to your food as you to mine, then we're going to kill each other over it. Um, and so basically these theorists say, because of the fact that we live in this state of war with no government whatsoever, we all sort of through reason, we come to this realization that we need to more or less enter into what they called a social contract. And this is a really critical concept for um, I think kids to sort of understand because this idea that two equal parties can enter into a contract was a really new and revolutionary idea, um, especially back in the day. Today, it's so it's so obvious. Everyone thinks, well, of course, you know, everyone's going to enter into something like this and on an equal footing. But that's not how life used to work. And so I think we we really take a lot of these concepts for granted. Um, and so a social contract was basically the idea that two people enter or society enters into this agreement that I will give up some of my rights to everything if you give up some of your rights to everything because we realize we want to live in some sort of peaceable society. Um, however, the problem with that is that a group of people doing that, there's the high chance that somebody's going to break that contract, right? Um, and if that happens, then you devolve into chaos again. So we create government to basically hold us accountable to that contract. And Locke takes this concept a step further and he introduces this idea of private property. And he basically says, private property is your body and anything you work for. And I love to challenge my students with this question because 
my students, they're American. I teach, I teach college classes. They're very American. So private property and the concept of private property is so obvious to them. So it's like, so if you work a job and you make money, what do you think about that money? Well, it's mine. I worked for it, right? It's this idea that what we work for is it, it is ours, right? It's intangibly ours. But, but that's not how life used to be. I, and, and I try to really emphasize this all the time is this is a very revolutionary concept. This idea that what you work for is yours and should be yours throughout world history in almost every nation, that has never been the case, right? There have always been those in power and they held arbitrary power and those who were not in power. And those who were not in power had no choice but to do whatever those in power said. And there was nothing holding those in power accountable to anything. So this idea of private property was revolutionary. And Locke basically introduced this idea that the only reason that we have government is to protect us and our private property from each other. That's the only reason, right? Not to provide health care, not to provide welfare, not to provide any of those other things. No. The only reason we have government is to protect me and my private property from you and your private property. So on the little worksheet, and if you're reading my book, this is the first answer I give. Why do we have government? Simple, to protect us and our private property from each other. Is this making sense? Just want to kind of take a moment before I move to the next question. Yes, that's, this is making perfect sense. It's just okay. like the fog is lifting here. <laughs> okay, good. So um, now that we've sort of laid that foundation, uh, one thing I like to sort of, before I launch into the next question, which I believe was, what is it? Why do we have a constitution? Okay. So we understand that we have government to protect us and our private property from each other, right? But what we really want to avoid is something called an arbitrary government. Um, and arbitrary is a really key term. And I, again, I try to emphasize this in my book. I try to emphasize this on my blog and to all of my students. Um, and I think we're so spoiled with the fact that we don't have an arbitrary government that we don't even understand the, the reality that arbitrary government is literally all government throughout history. So arbitrary means basically despotic or absolute in power, meaning there's no external control. So an example of an arbitrary government would be a king. If the king decides off with your head, it's off with your head, right? There's nothing outside of him and telling him he can or cannot do something. He is the final source of all power. So arbitrary power is limitless power. We don't want an arbitrary government. That is a very dangerous government to have, right? But here's the kind of rub that we're dealing with is we create government to protect us and our private property from each other. But in doing so, we take the same flawed, selfish, you know, self-motivated people that we need protection from in the first place, which is why we need government, and we put them in positions of power, right? So we're yeah. taking the same flawed humanity that needs government and we're sticking them into a place that's giving them more power to potentially abuse or take advantage of, right? And so it, the problem, the sort of unifying problem in all of this is, is human nature, right? It's people. So people are apt to abuse. It doesn't matter at what level they're abusing. But once you put them in positions of power, you're now giving them the ample tools to abuse more easily and more effectively, right? So the next question is, why do we need a constitution? So kind of breaking it down carefully, we create government to protect us and our private property from each other. But the question now is, what protects us and our private property from government, right? Because we now have people, flawed people, who are just as capable, if not now more capable, of violating our private property 
in positions of power, presumably put there to protect us and our private property, right? So the answer to why do we have a constitution is to protect us and our private property from government, right? Mm -hmm. So the constitution is essentially the law or the standard outside of government. It is an absolutely beautiful thing that we have. And I think people don't realize what a sort of jewel we have in the fact that we live in a country where there's a standard outside of government, governing government, right? And an example I give to all my students is I'm, a, I'm an instructor and I have a job description, right? So I can't come into my class and teach them physics because I'm not a physics teacher. I am a political science instructor, right? My job description tells me I'm supposed to come in and teach government. I can't come in there and make them do 100 push-ups simply because I want to, right? I right. would get in trouble with my employers. <laughs> so this is an issue, right? I have a job description and I'm confined by my job description. I cannot do anything outside of that. If I did or if I could, I would have arbitrary power. If I had no job description whatsoever, I could come in there and make them do whatever I wanted, but I don't. We should see government that way. Unfortunately, we don't a lot of times, but we should. Government, we created to do a job for us, and we gave them a very specific job description to confine their power. They have a very limited number of powers, and that's their job description. That's what they're supposed to do, and that's what keeps us safe from government, right? The Constitution is the standard. And something I ask is, would you want, you know, how comfortable would we feel getting pulled over by a police officer if we had no Constitution to appeal to, right? Mm -hmm. What if he started frisking us? What would we say if there were no Constitution, right? That's mm -hmm. a scary prospect. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's scary for any person. I don't care what your political stance is. That is a scary prospect. And that's what I see children grow up so... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Sort of, yeah, uninformed and immune to mm -hmm. the idea that there could be a world outside of the world we now live in. So the idea that a government could come in and do whatever they wanted just because they're government is a very normal idea for most countries in the world today and has been the way most governments have worked throughout history. Mm -hmm. And yet we live in a country where the idea that government can do whatever it wants to us simply because it's government is so foreign because we know we have this outside standard stopping the government from violating our own property, right? Mm. And that's a beautiful thing. The problem is the majority of us don't know what the Constitution says. So how are we then able to protect ourselves from government, not to mention keep government accountable to its own job description, if we ourselves are uninformed about it? Does that make mm. sense? Oh, that so, makes sense. Yeah. What has happened over time is that people have actually started demanding that the government do things way outside of its job description simply mm -hmm. because we don't even know. And we've lost track of what the point of government was in the first place. So we start assuming that it is government's job to do this out or the other. And we criticize government for not doing it. And guess what? Government's going to be more than happy to acquiesce to a citizenry that demands that government is more powerful. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It is not, it is not, you know, a problem for government to go outside of the constitution. They're quite happy to do it. So mm -hmm. the only thing that would keep them away from that is if we demand that they stay within those parameters, but we've not been doing that. So uh, that leads, 
that's so true. I just wanted to pipe in here really quickly because we, we in our own state have had a, a governor who has overstepped his boundaries. And uh, fortunately, yeah. I, I heard from a representative yesterday that they're working on the behalf of the people to pass something that basically would limit those powers. Um, I heard about that. Yeah. yeah, I was so excited about that. But but those are the kinds of representatives that you want to elect into office to represent you are the right. ones who understand why the what the constitution is what it says it's it's the role of government um and, and even right. in our meeting um you know i i heard back that one of our city council members went to this meeting and he was very moved by mm -hmm. the information he had no idea what his role really was right as opposed to what he knows now um he right. had some idea obviously but his role became incredibly clear and I think much simpler by, by listening um, to this explanation. So that was a really, that was a really exciting thing to have happen. Yes. Yes. It, that's really one of my goals is to help educate people in government. And I think, you know, so we have our state constitution, we have our state government, and then we have our federal constitution and our federal government. And mm -hmm. we really need to be incredibly informed about our state constitutions because a lot of the battles we're fighting right now have to do with that. Right. Um, right. So, yeah, exactly. Um, and that's the state. It's the same story with a state constitution. It's still the job description. It's still the standard, all of those things. Uh, and I think we sort of, we forget about that one as well. Um, but I, the next, I think the next question on my list is why does it matter if government follows the constitution? And I think this is a really good question for us to ask ourselves and for kids um, to ask and moms to ask their children is why do we have a constitution? Because I think a lot of people, particularly conservatives, tend to throw around the, the word constitution a lot, right? We're like, well, we got to follow the constitution. But if really like pressed on why, I think a lot of people would struggle, you know? Well, why? Why Why does it matter? Because I'm sure there are people out there who would, would challenge that assumption. Oh, why does it matter if the government follows the constitution? Who cares if the government's doing this or if this is going wrong, you know? Um, there's a real answer, and it's good to have a very strong foundation in that answer because otherwise we're sort of floundering ourselves, and we won't be able to help anyone else if we don't have a very clear grasp and understanding. I think I've probably already answered it for since I've just broken down arbitrary power, but I'll sort of break it down again. The reason it's so critical that our government follow the Constitution is because our government derives its power from the Constitution. So our government does not get its power from nowhere, right? If it got its power from nowhere, its power would be limitless, but it doesn't. It derives its power from the Constitution, very literally, which means that if it violates the Constitution, it now derives the power to do what it did outside of the Constitution from nothing, right? Because mm -hmm. it's not getting the power to do what it did from the Constitution. So if it's not getting it from the Constitution, where is it getting from? Well, it's getting it from nothing. And if it derives its power from nothing, then there's absolutely nothing to confine that power. And if pa government's power is unconfined, it is completely arbitrary and completely limitless at that point. If the government violates the Constitution once and we're okay with it, what's to stop it from doing whatever it wants outside of that? There is no limit at that point, right? We cannot say, well, you can't do this because, because there's absolutely nothing to say at that point, Right. That is a really critical point that I think people need to grab a hold of. I have some really like um, specific blog posts about this. 
if anyone's interested, if the moms are interested in like our resource and going and looking at my blog, talking, if you go and type in the search bar, arbitrary power, I have a lot of posts that talk about this specifically and sort of break down why this is so important. Um, if anyone wants to have like a extra, an extra yeah. sort of in-depth analysis of that. Yeah. And I would encourage all the moms to go and check out um, Kristen's resources. We're going to be listing those in the podcast notes, but just for now, tell us what the name of your blog is. Uh, it's the Liberty Bell NC.com. So it's spelled B E L L E. So it's kind of like <laughs> a Southern yeah. bell, but the Liberty Bell as well. It's a play on words and then NC for North Carolina. So um, the Liberty Bell NC.com. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. I mean, like I said, we'll, we will include all the, the resources from you, including your book. And um, you have a, do you have a YouTube channel? Is that correct? I do. I'm not, I'm not as active on there as I am on my blog, but okay. hopefully I'll be getting some more yeah, videos well, up. <laughs> we'll share them anyway. And, you know, who knows, maybe, you know, as you start to do more of them, people can be notified, but I think um, definitely for now, they can definitely go check out your blog. And I love the idea that they can go in the search bar and search for yeah. specific topics so I do that I do that for myself all the time because if I'm mm -hmm. referencing a blog post of mine or something I'm like uh, I don't know where they all are so right, I'm know. using that search I'm using that search feature frequently so um, <laughs> Great. Yeah. um so anyway I have here in my in my notes that it's just a, it's a phrase I like to challenge people with but without the constitution governing government right to whom do we appeal to protect us from government Mm -hmm. right? You can't, you really can't protect, you can't appeal to government to protect you from government. That's just no, really. And here's the thing that just, as I'm listening to you talk and you talk about the state of nature and you talk about um, how our society is very different than most societies in the past. Um, mm -hmm. And, and from a lot of other countries, ours is very, very unique. Um, but I find it interesting that, that human nature is to tend to want to go back to having a quote unquote king. You know, I'm surprised 100%. how many people I talk to, you know, who be like, well, you know, the governor said this and the governor said that. And I'm like, well, um, have you actually thought that through? And, you know, just encouraging people to think for themselves. Um, they want someone to tell them what to do. They feel yeah. more protected or something, but what they don't realize is they're giving up that protection that the constitution mm -hmm by giving arbitrary power mm -hmm. to your local government or state government or federal. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think I, yeah, I wrote an article about this, which was probably if I were to say for myself, my, my favorite piece that I ever wrote, but mm -hmm. I talked about the fact that freedom is a lot harder. Liberty is a lot harder than slavery. A hundred percent. The mindset of slavery is very, I mean, very, and they, it sounds horrible, but slavery is easy and when it comes to responsibility. When you're a slave, you're told what to do. You have no consequences of your own, right? You have no responsibility of your own. Liberty is hard. It and is. that is why it's very rare because liberty requires work and it requires you to be responsible for everything that you do. And you and you alone suffer the consequences for your choices. If you are a complete slave, you never suffer the consequences for any of your choices because they're all dependent on those who have power over you, right? Exactly. So, and it's, I think, yeah, there's a lot to that. And I, going back even to the 17, uh, 1760s and 50s and 40s, the Great Awakening happened prior to the American Revolution. So really, if you look at it, it was the children of those who were changed during the Great Awakening who led the revolution. And I think a lot of that, and there's some statistical evidence of this, and also, you know, a lot of research done on this, 
that the Great Awakening was a huge reason why the revolution happened because of the change in the hearts of the of the people to appreciate mm-hmm. responsibility, liberty, mm-hmm. using liberty for good reasons, you know, um, right. instead of debauchery, which if you have a completely, you know, um, amoral society, a society that has completely rejected God, then liberty turns into licentiousness and it's, it's, it's very damaging. And all of that leads to the desire for more government because you see so much abuse and a free society because people are free to abuse, right? Um, right. As opposed to a society that is actually living and using liberty for, for good, yes, right. there's going to be flaws. But um, So I think what we're seeing is this degradation in the way that our society even functions, which has led to the demand for more government because there is so much abuse. Because mm-hmm. people are just living their, their human nature and it's right. just exploding, you know, because right. they're free to explode. Right, um, exactly. Yeah. And this whole the whole state of nature where um man is born sinful, okay, that is a biblical worldview. And so it there's a, mm-hmm. a humanist worldview or there's a biblical worldview. I mean, there's lots of different, you know, uh, you know, variations on a theme, but event but essentially worldviews mm-hmm. fall into one of those two categories. And so right. Um, the problem is if you think that man is good, like you said, you, you describe some of the problems that, that arise from that. But, um, also what happens with that same humanist thinking is it's just, there's actually no purpose in life either. Mm -hmm. It's just matter energy. There's no life beyond this life is, you know, so basically you just give yourself everything you want because this is it. This is as good as it gets. Yeah. Um, but for believers, I always like to say, this is as bad as it gets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, why, you know, to me, I, I listen to you talk about the, the, the children of the Great Awakening. And I think about how quite possibly some of that might be happening right now in our own country mm-hmm. where there's an awakening happening, where people are going, wait a minute, you know, I want better for my kids and my grandkids. You know, I tell people all the time when they say, why are you, you know, why are you you know, being so strong about this because I'm, I like peace. I like getting along with people. (laughs) Can't we all just get along and have a nice conversation? And I have literally gotten way more vocal, way more sure of where I stand as I become more and more educated and informed about things like this, Mm -hmm. because I don't want my grandchildren to look at me when they grow up and say, Nana, how come you didn't do anything when you could have? Mm-hmm. And and then the flip side is also just investing that knowledge into the next generation, and yeah, and that's why we're doing this podcast today is because I am mm-hmm. an absolute firm believer in in raising up the next generation to be bold and courageous and strong and rooted in the Lord and and His mm-hmm. principles, and and that's exactly what you're talking about right now. So so yeah. yeah. It is hard work, um, but it's worth it. And teaching our kids response, personal responsibility. I cannot mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. more. That's what yeah. I was talking about. This last thing that you said is like, you know, shoulder them with responsibility. Let them mm-hmm. feel the consequences for their choices. Um, right. You know, we, we've had a situation we were caring for um, an, an uh, you know, older teenage uh, boy. And uh, one of the hardest things for him, because, you know, he wasn't raised with that, is to understand that his choices affect the people around him. Mm-hmm. I think if That's our point. can really begin to grasp that, you know, you there's sowing and reaping. You need to sow good seeds and you'll reap a harvest. And so... Mm-hmm. 
we need to be willing to do the work as parents and then expect our children also to do the work that's their responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a huge Sorry, I bunny trail there. <laughs> oh no, that's so true though. And I, I mean, I, I think that's, I think that's a huge blessing for homeschool moms to have the opportunity to instill your children with the basic knowledge and tools. I mean, from my perspective, obviously from about government and about the constitution, that's a huge privilege. It's a huge blessing to be able to do that because it is. not a lot of countries have that. And the fact that we're still free and able to do that in this country um, yeah, that's a huge, that's a big deal. And you, and you deal with college students all the time. So mm-hmm. you know, sort of the, the sowing oh. and done and the reaping that you're seeing right now, what you're seeing in, in your students. Oh yeah. And I mean, the, the funny thing is, is these kids come in and they don't, they've never been taught anything that I'm talking about here. And they tell me that and they're like, well, mm-hmm. we didn't know that. Why didn't people tell us this? Uh-huh. I, and it's just basic stuff. I mean, the stuff I'm talking about should not be controversial, right? I no. have, <laughs> it's not controversial. It's just basic facts. And I think anyone can agree that we don't want an arbitrary government over us. Um, I, I had a class where one of my students, she had a Black Lives Matter shirt on. She'd wear it frequently, you know, and then in the same class and the same day, literally, she's wearing her Black Lives Matter shirt. And I have another student in there with his Trump shirt on <laughs> and like, <laughs> They're totally fine together. And here we are talking about American government. And they're both 100% on board with what I'm saying because wow. they get it, right? right. Because it's, it's not, not actually controversial. It's, no. it's like we all want. We all want freedom of speech. We yes. all want to be protected by the Constitution. And once we understand right. what that looks like, all of a sudden it's like, wow, we really actually agree on more. Agree, 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's so much more that we agree on. And I think that the point and the drive for a lot of what's going on is to sort of establish a false division that really isn't there, right. um, which that's a whole other story altogether. Yes, but yes. Um, yeah, we, but the point, <laughs> we probably go into that a while. But, but the thing is, is just like the stuff I'm, I'm talking about, it really shouldn't be controversial. It's really sort of basic. Um, it, there's nothing what's the word? I'm not presenting a partisan or, uh, you know, not divisive. Mm-mm, no, and that's not the goal of it. The goal is to unite Americans around this this kind of beautiful standard that we have. There's nothing perfect about the Constitution, and I think that conservatives are sometimes um, maybe guilty of of over exalting the Constitution. That there is something inherent about it, like the Bible. No, the Bible is inherent, but or inerrant, I should say. But there is no inherent goodness in the Constitution. This is a piece of paper. The thing is that it is a standard outside of government, and that alone makes it incredibly valuable, right? Right. If we need to change the standard, we have means and provision to do so through constitutional amendments. But the other option is eliminate the standard and allow government to be the final source of power. And no one wants that. Right. No, so, I think I heard you say in the in that talk, the, the part of the talk that I listened to, you said it's better to have something imperfect than nothing at all. Yeah, a hundred percent. Because what you know, the option, the alter, the the other option is a rampant, arbitrary government free to do whatever they want, and right. I think no one wants that. Right. Um, I agree. I agree. I don't know where we are on time, so well, I don't know if you want the, me to. No, you've got that fourth question. Is that one you can answer pretty quickly, or we yeah. can. For the next podcast, whatever you want to do. Um, so the next question is going to be about Congress and why I want to talk about Article One, Section Eight of the Constitution. 
So I'm thinking about it. Maybe it would be better just to kind of launch into it in the next section in the next podcast so that everybody's got it fresh on their mind. Um, Yeah, that seems like a great place to talk. Plus, we just took a bunny trail. So we're going to call that our conclusion to this podcast. But (laughs) so um, hang in there, everybody, and uh, be watching for the next one because we're going to do another episode of finishing up. talking about the role of government here with Kristen McMasters. So uh, thank you all for being here. Don't forget to pick up the PDF and uh, connect with Kristen um, with all the contact information that we give um, in the podcast notes. So we'll, we will talk uh, again soon in the next episode. Have a great day, you guys. Bye.